This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Thanks to this episode's sponsor, LLC, TLC. They are just doing an incredible job saving you money on your registration. Be sure to register your vehicles, airplanes, boats, street legal, side-by-sides, and trailers to your own Montana LLC, and you will pay $0 in sales tax. So go to LLCTLC.com for more information. Welcome back to the Collector Car Podcast. I am remote again. This time I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, so I apologize for the bland background behind me if you're joining me on YouTube. It is a Hilton property. (laughs) So anyways, thank you for joining me. Uh, This is going to be a fun one. Basically, you know, a lot of times I get questions about should I sell my car at at no reserve or should I not? And I wanted to take the Monterey results and dive deep and find out what do those results actually look like using real-time data. And I really have to give a big shout out to the Hammer Price team. Uh, Hammer Price is a great app that you could download onto your phone and you can track auction results pretty much live, pretty close, and a lot of fun filters. And that's actually a tool a lot of car specialists use to pull some of the most recent sales when they're trying to do an estimate for a client. And I was just basically taking it from my phone, putting it in an Excel file, and I thought, this is gonna take forever. So I reached out to the Hammer Price team, and they sent me an Excel spreadsheet for every auction house that I could utilize all the data. And so that is what this podcast is being fed from. So thanks to the folks at Hammer Price. One call out, uh, I did not have all of the estimates, or the esti- Mecham did not release all the estimates for their cars. So if there's not a high estimate or a low estimate provided from which I could compare the hammer price to, I pulled those results out. So when you see my data and you're like, well, I thought, you know, Mecham had 400 cars at Monterey. They did. I only have 100 and, I don't know, 80 or so uh, results that I could use based on that information. So we're going to dive in deep here and uh, we'll get started now. All right. Let me get to my PowerPoint. So this is the first time I think I've actually done a PowerPoint presentation for one of these podcasts. So yes, you can listen to it on the audio only version. I'll be as descriptive as possible. But if you want to see the actual information with all of the fun uh, charts, go to my YouTube channel at the Collector Car Podcast. And if you would like a copy of this, just shoot me a note at gstanley at armsothebeast.com or Uh, Greg at the Collective Car Podcast. All right, some of my thoughts on selling at no reserve. Now, what's interesting is these are thoughts I've had in my head just from general understanding of the auction place. And a lot of these were uh, held up in the results from Monterey, which is very, very interesting. So my first point is you need to be strategic. If you want to sell a car at no reserve, you need to make sure you pick the right auction house as well as the right venue in which to do so. Now, the the example that comes to mind is I had a 1936 Ford Phaeton. I got a call about the guy wanted to sell it at Hershey, which is the perfect spot for that car. He suggested no reserve. And uh, my estimate based on the condition of the car and the colors and such was forty-five dollars to $55,000. It hammered right in the middle at $50,000. So, um, it worked out great. Why do people do no reserve? Well, because a lot more eyeballs are on the cars when they are shown as no reserve because people know the car is going to sell 
If they like the car, they fall in love with the car. If there's a couple of folks that do that, sometimes the no reserve cars can really outperform uh, the cars that do have a reserve against it. Um, another great example as far as when you want to do no reserve is if you have a collection. Now, there are a lot of results on this as far as large collections that have come to market where the no reserve aspect of it has outperformed the estimate for the collection. I'm just going to rattle off some here. These are all past histories from RM Sotheby's. I don't have access to the other ones, or at least didn't have time to compile. Uh, the Andrews Estate estimate was 49 million, sold for 53.9 million. Dingman estimate was 5.1, sold for 7 million. The Millhouse estimate was 31 million, sold for 38 million. Malcolm Prague estimate was 10.5 million, sold for 14.5. Tilly estimate was 4.4 million, sold for 4.5.9. And Orrin Smith estimate was 28 million, sold for almost 32 million. So those are just some quick bullet points where all of the cars sold, they exceeded expectations, they were at no reserve. Uh, another call out is if your car is a known commodity, by that I mean is it a known collectible car that is highly desirable and they are traded often such as an old Ford Mustang, such as Mercedes 300 SL, Ferrari F40s, 1960s Corvettes. I would not do no reserve if it is a one of one, maybe a unique brand, you know, something you don't see all the time, um, that maybe a race car, uh, just depending on what it is. If it is a known commodity where they trade all of the time, um, a great example is the Mercedes 300 SL. Every auction has, uh, you know, one or two of those. Um, what's ironic is none of the 300 SLs at Monterey were no reserve. They all had a reserve, so I couldn't really do my study against that one. All right, the other point I have, are your cars cheap? I mean, are you in your car cheap? So if you bought the car 10 years ago for 16 grand and you're asking 40 grand and you're not having any luck, you want to take it to auction, throw no reserve on it. Are, is there a chance it'll sell for under 40 grand? Of course. Will it sell for 16 grand? No way. People will see your car and they will bring it up at least to a retail value or pretty close. Uh, barn find cars tend to do really well at no reserve as well as cute cars at high-end auctions. So RM Sotheby's had the barn find sale, the Ferrari barn find sales. They did tremendously well. Uh, some of them missed. Uh, they missed a low estimate, but others overachieved. Um, again, that's why collections are a great way to do no reserve. And then cute cars. There was, I forget the name of it, this weird little three three-wheeled car at the RM Sotheby's. It was like a Fisca. I forgot what it was called. Something very different, but very cute. And it was no reserve. I think the estimate was 30 to 35 and it sold for $60,000. That happens often. And you cannot get a cute car in these high-end auctions, typically because uh, in order to have a reserve, the car needs to be worth over $250,000 or so. But they always overperform. At RM Sotheby's Amelia Island sale, there was a Boxster S in a cool, like dark purple color, low mileage estimate was twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars. It sold for forty, forty-two thousand dollars, something like that. Uh, they always perform well. All right, a couple notes about this episode. I do, I am supported by Arm Sotheby's, but this is not meant to be an Arm Sotheby's fan favorite podcast. <laughs> However, if the results show that Arm Sotheby's performed above and beyond the other auction houses, the results are the results. And uh, you'll see that they had a very good Monterey when, it is, when compared to the other auction houses. Another note is that my results do not include the buyer's premium. So the buyer's premium is typically an additional 
So when I mentioned the 1936 Ford Phaeton earlier, a hammered for $50,000, that's what was put into the consigner's pocket uh, before their fees. And then there was an additional 10%, five grand on the buyer's fee that went to the auction house. So when you look at the results, especially in hammer price, you can filter with or without the buyer fees. So in my mind, I don't want to count that because that did not go to the person who was selling the car. And uh, what's interesting is a lot of times you'll see the auction house results include the buyer's fees. So where technically they didn't hit the low estimate, you know, I promised, you know, I, I told them the 36.4 Phaeton it would reach 45 grand. You know, if it didn't reach that, but it did once you factor in the buyer's premium, those are kind of the results you'll see uh, in the auction house results. Um, and then I mentioned before, a lot of the Mecham cars did not have estimates provided, so I did remove those. All right, first I want to go over like the total results by auction house against the low estimate. So the low estimate is what they projected the car should sell out at. Typically the low estimate is where the auction house thinks the car is going to sell and what the car is worth. The high estimate, you know, in my mind is, you know, usually where the client is, you know, so it's kind of a, a fine wire as far as uh, negotiating on the estimates. Uh, but how did the big auction houses perform against the low estimate? For, so total Monterey weekend, the hammer price was 6.4% below the low estimate. And I've heard reports stating that the overall market from Monterey is down 15%. Well, just looking at comparing, comparing it to the low estimate, it is down 6.4%. Mecham was way down underneath the low estimate, down 17%. Bonhams was 9.4% under low estimate. Broad Arrow was 9.2. Gooding was 5.9% below a low estimate. And R.S. Sotheby's performed the best of all the auction houses, only down 1.9 below the low estimate. I also want to give a note about the estimates. So it's not a perfect science. The estimates are created by the car specialist, and they will typically reference their car, their offerings, with another couple car specialists to make sure that their estimates are as accurate as possible. But there's also some strategic things happening. Sometimes an auction house will put a lower estimate uh, trying to get people excited about the car, thinking it's going to be a good deal. Uh, something else that happens is, is sometimes it's the negotiation with uh, the client, especially on no reserve cars. So for example, if I think a car is going to sell no reserve for $100,000, but the client wants a an estimate of 110 to 130, those types of exceptions are made. So because a car does not necessarily hit the low estimate, it doesn't mean it didn't sell where expected. So keep that in mind. This is uh, for entertainment purposes only. All right, top 10 sales with a reserve. Now I will have to say uh, another caveat here is that the Bonhams car, the big car of the weekend, the 1967 Ferrari 412P Berlinetta, that one was reported to be a $40 million car. It hammered sold for $27.5 uh, with the buyer's fee that actually put it up right at about the $30 million mark. Uh, for purposes of this, which I think is pretty accurate, but I haven't been able to confirm it, I put the low estimate at $30 million, the high estimate at $40 million. So hammering at $27.5, it, it, it missed the low estimate by $2.5 million. All right, so the top 10 cars that had a reserve sold for only $425,000 over the low estimate. RM Sotheby's had six of the top 10 reserve cars 
and they're sold for almost $1.9 million over the low estimate. And as I mentioned before, the biggest miss was that Ferrari 412 at Bonhams. But again, that's based on speculation for the low reserve and the high, I'm sorry, low estimate, high estimate. All right, next one are the top 10 sales that came with no reserve. Let's see, they sold for $810,000 over the low estimate. Uh, Arm Sotheby's had seven of the top 10 no reserve cars, which sold for $1.6 million over the low estimate. And the biggest miss was the Broad Arrow Ferrari 288 GTO. Uh, that miss was, uh, let's see, $700,000 missed the low estimate. Now I do make a caveat here is that those things have been on such a tear recently, the last two, two and a half years, sometimes it's hard to keep up with how quickly a car is appreciating in value or depreciating. And honestly, I think this would possibly just be a market correction, uh, just a flattening out of valuations. Um, so it wasn't like a huge miss. They probably expected it to sell for what it hammered for. <clears throat> so I don't think it was a surprise to the consigner. Uh, they were probably pretty upfront with them about that particular lot. All right, next is the top 10 cars that exceeded the high estimate. So this is, you know, the high estimate is, you know, as puppies and unicorns. It's what the consigner wants, what the auction house wants, is they love to see a car hit the high estimate. And these are the top 10 that exceeded the high estimate. What, now, what's really fascinating about this is five of these cars were no reserve cars and five were reserve cars. Uh, top, three of the top four cars sold were offered by RM Sotheby's and they were no reserve Ferraris. Two of those were project cars that were in the barn find sale. Five of the top 10 cars were Ferraris and four were pre-war cars, which is really, really interesting because, you know, always talking about the generational shift and these pre-war cars did really, really well. All right, I'm going to dig into these top 10 that exceeded the high estimate a little bit more. I've got them listed, the five with a reserve and the five without a reserve. So here's where I really wanted to show or try to capture which performed better, no reserve or reserve. So the reserve cars beat the high estimate by 12%. The no reserve cars beat the high estimate by 18.8%. So the no, no reserve cars sold 6.8% higher than the reserve car. So right there is a great bullet point as to why you should sell no reserve. Now let's see if this continues. Uh, oh, just from an overall perspective, I wanted to capture by auction house how many lots they had that exceeded the high estimate. Meekum only had four. Bonhams only had four. Broad Arrow had nine. Gooding had 12. And Arm Sotheby's had 28. So quite a bit. Uh, Arm Sotheby's had 54.6% of the cars that exceeded high estimate for the entire weekend. Now, just uh, asterisk there is part of the reason their numbers were so high is they also had the most lots on offer. They had 202 lots, and everybody else had less than that. All right, next are the top 10 lots that missed the low estimate. Now, this is fascinating on the flip side of it. So the low estimate is, like I said before, what the minimum we think it will bring, and these cars actually performed under that. Nine of the 10 were reserve cars. Only one of them was no reserve, and that was the 288 GTO I mentioned earlier. What's really fascinating about this is this means that as the consigner, the person who's selling the car, um, is usually on the phone or in person 
and talking to the car specialist. And if the, you know, the low estimate is $100,000, typically the reserve will be somewhere around that. And they're only at $80,000. The car specialist is asking the consigner, do you want to let it loose? Do you want to lift a reserve? And this is an example uh, when that reserve was lifted and the car sold. Let's go a little bit deeper into this. The top five with the reserve um, that uh, they were down, they missed the estimate by 33.4%. Now here's where the no reserve did not quite work in favor. So the no reserve, uh, they missed a low estimate by 41.3%. Now that's just the top five uh, or bottom five. Bottom five cars with a reserve equaled uh, let's see, hammer price was $41 million. The bottom five without a reserve was only $9 million because there were less cars offered without a reserve, obviously. All right, let's see. Total results against the low estimate with the reserve. So this is where the reserve is lifted once the bidding got close to the low estimate, uh, meaning that the reserve was probably pretty close and it was lifted. Uh, Mecham uh, was under the low estimate by 17%. Bonhams was under by 9.2, Broad Arrow was under by 7.6, Gooding was under by 4.5, and Arm Sotheby's was under by 3.5. So this is where there was a reserve and they missed the low estimate. Broad Arrow had the least amount of lots offered with a reserve at 40.7%, while Mecham had the highest with 86.5%. Mecham had a rough weekend and I bet part of it was that they had a lot of reserve cars and then my understanding, when they come to do an estimate, they let the consigner, you know, say, hey, what do you want your cars estimated at, which may or may not be realistic. Honestly, a lot of times it's not that realistic because they want, obviously, as much money for the car as possible. Arm Sotheby's was the most effective at selling cars with a reserve and missed a low estimate by only 3.5%. Um, and then based on the Meekin results, they are the best at grinding the client to lift their reserve the fact that you had 17% of your cars um, under the low estimate means that you had to talk a lot of folks into lifting their reserve uh, at a point that was below the low estimate. All right, now from a total lots that missed the low estimate by auction house, Mecham had 58. Now this is only of the 171 cars in this study. Bonhams had 60. Uh, Broad Arrow had 103, which represented about 25% of the total lots that missed a low estimate. Gooding had 96 and R.M. Sotheby's had 85. So now I want to look at total results against the low estimate in which there were no reserves. What percent of cars sold under the low estimate when there was no reserve in place? So for the entire weekend, uh, it was under 5.5% below the low estimate. Mecham led the charge. Their cars were 18.2% under the low estimate. Gooding was 15.7% under the low estimate. Broad Arrow was 13.8. Bonhams was 12.4 under the low estimate. And R.M. Sotheby's performed very well. They were actually 5.8 over the low estimate. So that definitely beat all the other auction houses. As far as no reserve cars, they sold 5.8% above low estimate, while all the other auction houses was double digits under the low, uh, under the low estimate. All right, and lastly, I just want to kind of follow up with a Ferrari comparison. This was very, very interesting because it definitely speaks to selling cars at no reserve. 
So for all of the Ferraris for the weekend from all the auction houses with the reserve, they were 1.9% under the low estimate. Now, if they had no reserve, all the no reserve cars were 3.2% over the low estimate. That's a 5% difference between the two. So the no reserve cars definitely outperformed the reserve cars. All right, now if I just looked at RM Sotheby's Ferrari results, it gets even more extreme. Their reserve cars sold 4.9% over the low estimate. Their no reserve cars sold for 12% over the low estimate. So that's a 7.1% difference. Uh, so really strong uh, argument there to, uh, to list your cars at no reserve. So I know this was a lot. I do appreciate all of your time today. Thanks for listening and watching uh, this. Um, if you, like I said, if you'd like to have this presentation for yourself, uh, please shoot me a note, gstanley uh, G at com or greg at the Collector Car Podcast. It's early in the morning, so I appreciate you uh, sticking with me, and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.